I got you on your feet. We're not doing a Mexican wave, although we have done that before in church, haven't we? Um, we always like to have fun in church. I'm going to get the pulpit up, and this might, this might be a hint to who's coming up. If you haven't noticed, and I, and I encourage you to notice, different people like the pulpit in different places. But today we have Pastor Stephen bringing the word, so why don't we give him a hand as he brings the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it great that uh, we're heading off to celebrate Easter? Thanks, Joel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the wonderful days that you give us. Father, every day is a wonderful day because of your hand that is upon each and every one. And Father, this morning we thank you for your word. Father, let it be anointed. Father, let it be your words that will come. Father, to reassure us, Lord, that who we are and who our God is. Father, I thank you this morning for your grace, mercy that is upon the lives of people and your word that will bring and, Father, will strengthen your people in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 This morning we're going to speak on the life of Jesus. Isn't it privileged to talk about Jesus? Every one of us should be excited to speak about Jesus. And uh, when, we, when we think about what people have done in life, there's so many in this world, there's so many people who have done so many good things. And we remember them for the greatness and the great things uh, that they have done in this world for people and for the country, for the nation. And some of the people, the amazing things they have done, we can think of Mahatma Gandhi. All of you know, you've probably watched the movies of Mahatma Gandhi. Probably Mother Teresa, who's, uh, who's done great things in, in India, giving selflessly uh, to the people and... Uh, and, and, and gave a life in, in, in serving in that way. Maybe Martin Luther King Jr. Who gave his life, a Baptist minister who gave his life to restore equality and to restore, to, to take hatred and, uh, and, and, and discrimination out. And, but he, he lost his life in the midst of all that. We can remember people who've, who've done great things uh, for us. And, and, and great, uh, great lessons that have given us so that we can grab hold of it uh, and, uh, and we can walk with some of the principles uh, that they have shown us, even Nelson Mandela. You know, the great names that we can think of, there's other great names that's coming through. But there's one name that is above all other names, that is the name of Jesus, who has the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit, to touch the whole world. Every individual, every mankind, their life can be touched and be impacted by what Jesus Christ of Nazareth has done for each and every one of us. I think he deserves a clap this morning. In the book, More Than a Carpenter, Historian Kenneth Scott said, as the centuries pass, the evidence is accumulating that, measured by his effect, that is Jesus' effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life lived on this planet that 
evidence seems to be mounting. His mission to set the captives free. His mission, he was set on a mission to destroy the power of sin so mankind can be restored. His mission when his body was torn so that by his stripes uh, we be healed. A great mission that no man can override it. That he can come, he, his, his influence is so intense. And as the world is drifting away from the truth, as the world is drifting away, the power of his influence is growing stronger and stronger and stronger where many believers are at the moment in the world are, are losing their lives to impact others' lives so that they be impacted with, with the life that Jesus lived on planet Earth. John 3.16, we had that scripture so many times. But there was a need for Jesus to come on this earth. Because there was no way that we were good enough to make it up with God. We are a fallen generation that no matter how much we did to please God, we couldn't do it enough. We know we go back to the book of Genesis where Adam and Eve, they had the freedom. They had freedom to rule and reign and and in the name of every living being. They had the freedom, but they fell. A serpent, a devil came and tricked them. That's what it was. No matter how we say who was tricked, whether Adam or Eve, but the devil was involved in it. It's, it, it explains it. snake came in, a serpent. They were tricked. And the right of human mankind to walk in freedom was lost at the moment. Adam disobeyed God. Adam disobeyed God. And God saw the fallen generation. He, he was so concerned with the relationship that was broken that day because of sin that Jesus had to come and restore our relationship. A reconciliation took place with our Heavenly Father. Hey, come on. When we have children born, we, you know, in a family, or a husband and wife, and, 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 and you know, they, 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 you know, of course, I hope everybody falls in love and they love each other before, you know, they get married. Hope, yes, true. And out of that love, you know, out of the love, children come. You know, that's, you know, the, the, the conception comes and, and, and the children are born. And the, and the future of the children, every parent's heart, is to see their kids do so well. That's, or better than us. That's my dream, that my kids do better than me. They're probably doing it already. But, but that's a heart of a father and a mother. Right? Because out of that love, something was born. And it was a gift from God. Amen. And because of that love that we're born. And we want them to have a great future. Could you think today. How much. God. 
loved mankind that he gave his only begotten son to die for us. When it comes to our human understanding, we will sort of hesitate, no, no way my son going to die for the world. But God so loved the world, God so loved the world. When we talk about God, we talk about big things. He's a big God and he's a big world. Amen. God so loved the world, the love that he showed to the world, he was concerned for anybody who loves one another will be concerned for one another. That's the evidence of love that one has for the other. And God so loved the world, he was prepared to sacrifice his son for you and I. So that price that was paid on the cross of Calvary is not ordinary. It's extraordinary. It's divine. It's supernatural. Come on, church. It's supernatural for God so loved us. And his love was unconditional that no matter what you did in your life, Jesus paid that price for you for once. Bible says for once and all, he paid our price. And that name is Jesus. Amen. That name is Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. That's a powerful. <laughs> whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Friends, this is about darkness and light. This is about heaven and earth. This is no joke, no ordinary stuff here. This is big stuff. We can minimize things, but this is big stuff. God's love was so powerful, so awesome, so unconditional that no matter where you come from, where you were born and what was your background or what was your attitude or, or what you've done in life or, or you count all number of sins, whatever sins was, and he just wipes it with the blood of Jesus because he loves us. Come on, give him praise. So the life of Jesus, number one, he knew why he was here on earth. Some of us probably still finding our way through why we're here. <laughs> True. I have people meet me and say, oh, Stephen, you know, I remember that time or those days or, you know, this is what happened, or you did this for me, or for, you know, whatever it is, they remember. I've just lost my notes, that's all. <laughs> but Jesus knew why he was on earth. We all know that he was here for eternal purpose, so that those who believe in the heart, as Joel was saying, confess with the mouth. Amen? Yeah. They're saved. Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. Amen? Jesus is our Savior. But he knew why he was on earth as a child. He, he, he was, you know, born as an ordinary child in a manger. If you're born in a manger, nowhere to go and just born with the animals in there. It's, it's quite uh, 
normal, you know, those days probably somewhere, but, but quite extra, you know, quite ordinary stuff that he was born. But, but there was things that, that he experienced in life. And I think we can learn a lot from that. Because uh, there's so much distractions can come in our life that we can forget the purpose that we are here for. Jesus knew why he was here. And some of you will probably remember in Luke chapter 2, I'll read the scripture and then I'll go about telling about that. And Jesus said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? At that stage, Jesus was about 12 years old. His mom and dad has traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. It's a big event once a year. And in that big crowd, you know, crowd gathers for the special festival, Passover feast. Jesus goes missing. How many of you know that story? Jesus goes missing. If somebody goes missing for one day, you know, you say, oh, well, where is he? And then, you know, you get worked up second day. You, you know, you hear these days when kids go missing, how, how horrific it is experienced for the parents. They all work, they, they worked up. And they're looking for Jesus. And finally they found Jesus on the third day. I think they found him. And he's walking as if nothing happened. My, oh man. I want to see how old my hand is. You know what I mean? And, and, and to talk like that? Did you seek me? Yeah, I was seeking you all right. You don't know what's coming next, you know. <laughs> he says, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Hear this. Jesus here reminds his parents about God's business. He reminds his parents why He's here on earth for. Did you not know that I'm about my father's business? The conception of Jesus Christ was totally supernatural. I was just dwelling on that yesterday. I wonder if Mary thought, oh gee, I remember Angel Gabriel told me. Told me about this child, you know. He's, you know, he won't be no ordinary. He wouldn't be, you know, running through the blood of man, and he'll be supernatural, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this is. I wonder if Joseph thought that time. Hey, God told me that his name will be Jesus. Leave Mary alone. It's me in charge. And I believe Jesus is teaching us a lesson here. That's, let's not forget the purpose that God has called us for. So many times God has done supernatural miracles in our life. When he first touched our life, took us out of the darkness into the light. And yet we can be caught and emotionally and, 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 and get drained into the things uh, that can detour us, take us away from where God is calling us for. 
Jesus knew his purpose. He says, I'm here to be in my father's house. I'm here for my spiritual hunger. Yes, that's great. He didn't sort of walk out of house. He stayed with them, with the parents, till he was ready, amen, to go out and do the ministry. But Jesus didn't forget the purpose that he came for. There can be so many things thrown at our path that we can pick up. It looks good, but it may not be of God. Oh, this is great. It might just be a bait to take us away from where God wants to take us. Because every one of us has a calling in our lives. Every one of us has a purpose, a divine calling that God has called us for. Amen? Jesus said, don't you know? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Wow. Our children is about our father's business because if God didn't give it to me, I wouldn't have it. Come on. Our kids is about our father's business. We try to fit our kids in our own agenda, in our own curriculum, we try to fit them in. But hey, what about God, about his purpose, about what God has called them for? Every one of us, God has called us for a purpose. And that goes for our children. But we can be caught in so much things that we forget. We get diverted. We get detoured from where God is calling us. Romans chapter 15 verse 8 says, Now I say that Paul says that Jesus has become a servant to the second season for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Hey, come on. What we're here for, that Jesus be glorified, that Jesus came, that God be glorified. We are here so that Jesus be glorified. Amen. That's our purpose on earth. Jesus came to display that God is truthful. He spoke the truth, nothing but the truth. Some people didn't like it, some people liked it. That's always the case, isn't it? When you speak the truth, some people will like it, some people won't like it. But he came to speak the truth so that God's word be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Amen? He came not to just... Uh, listen, sometimes we do things. We do the work of God, love people, bless them. And you think you're doing great for God. And you keep going. And, and then it, those people are not longer around your life. Under the circle of environment. Then you move on and do. And you think probably nothing come out of it. Nothing happens. But God is on it. God is on those people. It's the time and season that you spend on these people. But God hasn't forgotten those people that you've spent time with, and, and those people are impacting the lives of people somewhere else. They know, may not be there, but they are. And Jesus died so that 
It's not just Israel be redeemed, but the Gentiles might glorify God. Amen. This is exciting. That the non-believers will glorify God. That they may come to the truth of Jesus Christ. The love of God. That they will glorify him. Amen. Amen. That they will glorify Jesus. I remember one time. It just uh, Sometimes you do things. I remember back in 1990s. I was visiting one of the Indian fellowships. And, and there was a, a, a guest speaker from uh, America. And... Um, and Elson might know him, Nathaniel. And anyway, those days I had sh- shops. So when you have a shop, you have some bundle of cash in your pocket, right? True. Joe remembers when I, I don't even remember, oh, you know, I used to go and buy cars with cash and then sell them after. But that was old days, all right? I'm getting a bit older now, all right? So, uh, but I had the bundle of cash I'll have. And especially if it's a weekend, Monday is a banking day, so I have cash. I'll keep cash with me. And I just gave the bundle of the taking to this visiting speaker. Like he was, I just gave it to him that night. And I used to just walk around and do those sort of stuff. And I didn't know when the next time he came, he told me, oh, Stephen, what a blessing. I got about five students from India, trained them in America, and sent them, blah, blah, blah. I thought, that much impact? See, the little things that you do, it's not just stay little, they grow. They glorify Jesus, amen? When Jesus came and died on the cross, it was for the whole world and every individual, those who come to believe and confess He is Lord. The sins are washed by the precious blood of Jesus. Uh, By his stripes they are healed. Amen. There is redemption for mankind. Amen. There is a way out. And the way out is by the blood of Jesus. uh, That we be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And set free in Jesus name. Secondly, Jesus was focused on potential rather than problems. We can get bogged down with little problems in our life and that will stop us going where God wants us to go. We must see every mountain. (laughs) How big it is. No matter how big the mountain is, that we must see from the eyes that our God is bigger than that. Everywhere Jesus walked, he knew. He looked at his father. You know why? Because it's a direct line with his father in heaven. He looked up at his father. He says, yeah, I can do it. Miracles can happen. I'll do it. Amen. Miracles will happen. We'll do it. Because Jesus didn't look at problems as we human beings sometimes look at. We forget that we are empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. We forget that greater is he that is in us, that is in the world. We forget who we are in God. Joel was saying this morning too that. We forget who we are in God. And problems seems to take us on rather than we taking on the problem. Amen. We are more than overcomers. Greater is he that lives in you, that is in the world. Amen. Come on. And Jesus, in John chapter 6, we look, look here at the feeding of the 5,000. 
I know there's so many other miracles happening, so many other things that took place. I'll leave some for Moses to preach next week. But John chapter 6, <laughs> feeding the 5,000. Two loaves and five fishes. That's an incredible. Jesus is here and the crowd is coming. You know, sometimes we're scared of crowds. Come on. We look at people and we say, how are we going to do this? How are we going to adjust this? So many people. And that was the disciples of Jesus Christ. They walked with Jesus. They're probably sleeping and waking, having breakfast and doing ministry work and all that. But the disciples were so easily overtaken by the, by the, by the volume of people and the pressure that comes. How many of you love pressure? And so easily we get crumbled. And Jesus looked at those people. But Jesus, the Bible says, read John 6 because I'll keep going. Verses 1 to 40. Jesus, he knew what he was going to do. But he was looking for the response of his disciples. Andrew Simon's brother said, there is a boy here. <laughs> Two loaves of barley bread and five fishes. Oh my goodness. That's all we got. That's all we got. We got a problem in hand if you got to feed 5,000. And you got five loaves of bread. I probably eat a loaf a day. No, no. <laughs> I can see you getting serious. Make you laugh here. And Jesus... said we found the answer we found the answer let's start feeding them see so many times Jesus teaches us here the answer to our problems is in our hands but we don't see them here it was the faith testing of faith Jesus come on guys Extend your faith. Start seeing multitudes getting fed. Start seeing 5,000 fed. Amen. Things that you're believing for, start seeing it happen. Faith is the substance of things. Amen. Not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Amen. But you receive it. Start extending your faith. Amen. So Jesus fed the 5,000. What about the wedding in Cana? How you say it? Cana, Joe? Cana? Whatever. I think I'm saying it right with my Fijian. No, no. <laughs> my, with my Australian accent. Is it Viviana? We know at this wedding it was Jesus' mother, Mary. And they run out of wine. It's embarrassing, isn't it? In those days. These days I'm saying give them water. Have you got cordial in the pantry, Sandy? Mix it up and give it to people. I wouldn't worry about running out of wine and making a big havoc about it. But look, the reality is they ran out of wine. There was an opportunity. What I'm saying is when there's a problem, there's an opportunity for a miracle. 
there's an opportunity where God can be glorified. Where Jesus, come on, give him praise. And Jesus said, oh, those empty jars, go and fill it up, guys. Just fill it up. And when they start pouring out, my goodness, this is the best wine. I wonder, I think they were just drinking it, drinking it, drinking it. You know what? Maybe they never fell drunk. <laughs> I'm just a joke. But that was the best wine. See, every problem has an answer and an opportunity to do a miracle. Amen? Amen. Nearly done my time. Number three. Jesus did not walk in pride but humility. He was humble. Humble doesn't mean that you are weak and feeble and not strong. Sometimes people take it humility for weakness. Humility comes from the spirit. The spirit of Christ. That's what I'm talking about humility. It comes from your heart. Where's your spirit? That's your belly. Out of your belly flows the rivers of life. Come on. That's the that's your spirit, isn't it? That's why my spirit is growing. But anyway. I'm finished. <laughs> Jesus did not walk in pride, but humility. He humbled himself. When we humble, humility means we surrender. Everything we have, we surrender. Why? We surrender to Christ. And from there, we draw our strength. Amen? We draw our strength. It doesn't mean you let people run all over you with a four-wheel drive. I'm not talking about that. Because you humble, you make. No. Humility is when you stand up for righteousness. When you rise up. When your spirit man rises up and gives you the witness and the strength within you to stand for what is right. Jesus was so humble. They took him to Pontius Pilate. They took him for the judgment. He didn't even speak a word. You know why? Because he was drawing in his inner strength. Humility. It's not, you know, sometimes we say a barking dog doesn't bite so often. But it's the sneaky ones that you've got to be careful of. <laughs> Quiet ones. They'll come in. <laughs> we had one. A couple of Joel's friends got bitten. <laughs> Did you get bitten now? No. <laughs> they needed a lift off me, so they played the back and the dog. Come and come. I didn't have the first aid, but put something on it <laughs> or put milk on it no, no. <laughs> I 
humility building in our inner strength. Amen? Yeah. Be humble. Philippians 2, verse 7 and 9, I'll read that. But made himself nothing, that is talking about Jesus, taking the very nature of seven, being made in human likeness, verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Amen? He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why did he become obedient to death? Because he, he was on a mission. Amen. He was on a mission. And he obeyed, even though all the actions and, and the process of getting there and rising before he rose on the third day, he went through pain. He went through those suffering. But he was obedient because his eyes, eyes were heaven bound. He was here on a mission to set the captives free. And thank God for Jesus. Amen. But he humbled himself and he was obedient. Humility will bring to a place of obedience to the word of God. And that's when we start growing in God. It's not because I'm a Christian for 30 years that I've, I'm, I'm growing. I can be stagnant as anything. Because I don't. The word of God speaks to me, but I don't listen to it. Come on. You can sleep away at any age. We've got to be walking with God. The evidence of our Christian life is not a tag of we are Christians. The evidence of our Christian life is the maturity in Christ that we have. And that is comes uh, from the manifestation of how we talk, how we walk, and what we do, what we speak, what comes out of our mouth. That is the evidence of a powerful Christian. And that is the greatest uh, evangelical tool for the people out there that they can see you and they can draw off you who Jesus is in your life. Come on, give Jesus a praise. Amen. I'm getting, I'm getting a bit scared here because the, I can hear people coming in. Okay. <laughs> Time. How did Jesus react when Peter denied him three times? When Jesus saw Peter, he said, I was praying for you. Come on. Peter denied him three times. And before that, Peter said, I will not deny you. And then he denied Jesus three times. Man, who's going to want him as a friend? Come on. But when Jesus saw him, he said, I was praying for you. That's humility. That's humbleness. I was praying for you. Who's going to wash the disciples' stingful feet? Those days, probably just the sandals, no even shoes, walking in mud, walking in dust everywhere. Jesus lined them all up and washed their feet, the disciples' feet. Jesus washed the disciples' feet, a sign of humility that I'm here to serve you. I'm here to make you get where you need to go. I'm here to prepare you for a mission. Amen? I'm here to serve you. That's the serving heart. It was symbolic of the serving heart of Jesus, of God, what, he, what we can become. Amen? Whatever Jesus did, we can become. 
Christ-like. Amen. That's Christ-likeness. We can become like Christ. Washing of feet, John chapter 13. Oh, I thought I stepped on somebody. <laughs> Lastly, Jesus did not give up, but persevered to the end. Jesus persevered to the end. Sometimes we give up. We right, right around the corner. We just at the corner and we give up. Jesus always had his eyes up to heaven. Amen. Father, and we have our eyes on Jesus. Jesus, as long as you live, I'll be okay. And we know that he's eternal God. Amen. No insurance company can give you that much assurance. That he'll be there for you all the time. Amen. But Jesus did. Hebrews 12, I finish with this scripture. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin so easily snares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand throne of God. Sometimes you feel that, oh, I feel awful. Oh, no, you know, it's a let down for me, but not really. As you endure that, God has got the joy, like Jesus had the joy set before him. God has got greater things for you in the future. You may be going through tough times now. Maybe it's hard to press in God, but stay in God. Stay in his word and his prayer. Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane and his father, if you can take away this cup off me, it's too hard. You may be saying it's too hard for me. I don't know how I can stand. It's too hard for me. Just stay in. Stay in faith in God. Because the breakthrough is round the corner. The joy that was said before. Your fruit of your labor, the fruit of your whatever you're doing, your serving. The reward is waiting for you. You might not see it. You may not experience it now. You'll never see it if you drift away. You'll see it if you keep going for Jesus. Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. Jesus, you are there for me all the time. Come on, give Jesus a praise as we stand up and worship God.